What NFC North newcomer continues to be slept on by FFPC drafters? Which Steelers quarterback is best for the Pittsburgh skill position players? And what Arizona Cardinal makes for a good use of a late-round draft pick? Plus, Shane Wingard, a four-time FFPC Dynasty and Redraft champion, joins us to discuss Leonard Burnett's ADP, what his plan of attack is in the 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joes in his debut in that competition, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Silence in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and Farrelliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about how concerned we are with Traylon Burke's asthma, which uh, Patriots you need to focus on in your football guys drafts. And then four-time FFPC Dynasty and redraft champ Shane Wingard will drop by to talk about his drafts in the Football Guys Players Championship so far this season, why he likes Jameson Crowder, Brandon Cooks, and much more. Before we get into the meat of the show, I do want to remind you that if you are looking to play in the 2022 Football Guys Players Championship and take your shot at $500,000, now is the time to do it. Because until the end of the month, we are running the Football Guys Early Bird Promotion. If you register by June 30th and draft by July 15th, you'll get a free $35 FFPC team credit added to your account. We'll do this up to three times for you. So that, by my math, is $105 in free teams. The 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament continues to have live and slow drafts filled nearly daily. $200,000 grand prize in that. The prize pool nearly doubled as well, and that's only $125 to get in. If you're looking for something a little bit lower than that, but you still want to be in a national tournament, the Superflex Best Ball Tournament is live as well. $35 um, is the entry fee in that, and you can turn that into $10,000 if you're lucky enough to win that. That also has drafts filling on the daily. If you're looking for 365 days of fantasy football, plenty of dynasty startups are available. We have more going off. I think we had some go off today. We'll have some more go off uh, on Saturday uh, and then the following Wednesday as well. We got plenty of those if you want to pick up another maiden. Um, plenty of slow live uh, sit and go best ball options all at myffpc.com. Whether you want to play in a classic, a best ball, best ball slim, varsity, terminator. Whatever you'd like, there's plenty of options for you there. And of course, as I bring in the commissioner right now, the Run to Daylight Championship at KFFSC.com only has two leagues left. So if you want to jump in that, play for five grand, I encourage that behavior. Of course, the KFFSC Draft Masters going on there as well. And the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event. Can't wait to get down to Louisville. Some of you will be drafting in Cincinnati. Some of you will be drafting online. Some of you will be doing all three as we play for a $25,000 grand prize there. Kamish, it's, uh, it's good to see you. It's, it's, it's a little bit early this week. I'm glad we're, we were able to, uh, to do the show on Thursday. And I can't wait for Louisville, man. I'm, just, I'm counting down the days. You better count down those days, Bonky. I think it's about 80 days to that and, and maybe even less. And, and then another 20 or so until we all get together at Planet Hollywood uh, there on the Strip in Las Vegas and make a run for the FFPCs. Uh, uh, $1 million. Tonight, it, we no longer have to wait for football uh, and the FFPC. And our modest contribution at KFFSC has provided uh, fantasy drafters great opportunity. But tonight, I'm happy to tell you that the Canadian Football League has kicked off with their uh, inaugural game uh, tonight. Uh, it's the Calgary Stampeders, the visiting uh, Montreal Alouettes versus the Calgary Stampeders. It's pretty crazy, I, and I see it's uh, about five minutes to go in the first half. Knotted at fourteen. Don't yeah, go no. anywhere, or or what you could do: mute your television while you watch it, and then yeah. listen to us 
Well, don't listen to me and Farrell as much as Shane Wingard, who is going to be coming up in about yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, we will talk so. to Shane. Yes, and he will he will enlighten us with everything going on. So that is what's going on with the FFPC and the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Let's get into some uh, fantasy flash here as we kick things off in Baltimore tonight. Ryan Mink uh, posted this on Twitter the, earlier this week. Uh, John Harbaugh said he expects Lamar Jackson to report to mandatory minicamp next week. Now, Jackson has not been present for the voluntary OTAs. He is reportedly, and I don't know how much truth there is to it, I'm sure there's something, been working with a quarterback mechanics expert. John Harbaugh says he know that uh, knows that Lamar Jackson is working hard, uh, and then he's going to come back ready to play. Jackson, as a reminder, is in the final year of his rookie deal. No indication that the sides are close to an agreement right now. Remember, Lamar Jackson represents, does he represent himself, or does he have his mom as his representation, Farrell? How does that work? I prefer to stay mute on that subject. Got so. it. Okay. We will move on right there. And <laughs> just something to that, something to that end. No, we won't I, get love, into it. I love my mama. And that's why I was a couple of minutes late for the show tonight, upstairs taking care of her. But you know, when my appendix burst, I'm not going to lay down on the kitchen table and ask mama to fix it, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's just that that's about all I have to say about that. All right. I, I get it. Totally get it. And uh, quite frankly, I'm kind of with you on it. Uh, Jackson last year, 2,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, 32, uh, 13 interceptions in just 12 games. He also had 760 uh, rushing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, offensive line wasn't great. Um, the uh, running back or the backfield was about as banged up as you could possibly get. The reason I bring this up tonight, Farrell, and I don't think we've talked, we don't, talk, quite frankly, we don't talk about quarterbacks too much on this show. Perhaps we should with the, mm. with the dawn of the Superflex tournament. They, quarterbacks become very, very important. But as I look at um, Lamar Jackson's ADP and how this is, you know, him with the contract negotiations, how this is sort of affecting uh, his ADP, I'm just kind of curious what you would, would do with Lamar Jackson. He is still quarterback four, but he's not going until the seventh round. Farrell, are you more than likely going to take a chance on him in the mid to, to late seventh there? Or would you rather wait on a Jalen Hurts, a Kyler Murray, or a Joe Burrow instead? Let's let's stay here for a while, Balky. And I'll try to be brief, but there's a lot going on here. You know, Lamar is a favorite here in the city of Louisville, Kentucky, and at the KFFSC. And I'm glad to see in the FFPC he's still holding it that fourth position. I I take a bit of exception of the writer here. I don't know if it's in quotes where he says that the Ravens had a a terrible offensive line last year. I think it's an amateurish uh, analysis. Ooh, spicy. You, I love it. When you look at, well, that's the first thing you do. How many sacks did the offensive line give up? Well, you know, we're pushing 60 in Baltimore. Uh, so the first thing you say, well, they were injured and they had a lot of problems. And, and that's, yes, they did. That is true. But but a, a sack is a, is a complete team offensive failure. That's why in the KFFSC, we, we have more points for it than we do in the FFPC as, as uh, provided the defense for a sack because you have really frustrated and defeated the offense when you make a sack. In Baltimore, um, on the offensive line, Ronnie Stanley was one of those players that was hurt, and he's one of the best players in the league. They, they acquired last year Morgan Moses, uh, to play right tackle, and he is—he's quietly a beast, and and he's, uh, and, and then in the draft they made the sexy draft move, Balky there of, of picking up uh, uh, Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa Center, who most scouts uh, say is a generational talent. You know, if you don't know what a generational talent is, ask a Minnesota Vikings fan to tell you who Nick Tinglehoff is. You know, so or Mick Tinglehoff. So you're, you're in a situation here where this offensive line to me is at least in the middle of uh, the, the talent pool and maybe a little bit better. So why are there so many sacks? Um, why do I, to answer your question, what does it mean for us playing fantasy football? If you believe Lamar Jackson is going to continue to run, um, yes, Lamar Jackson with those stats that you, that you read as bulky is, is a solid pick in fantasy, but at some point in, in along the way of uh, this season and this career, the Baltimore Ravens are going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to beat Kansas City and Buffalo and, you know, lesser contenders uh, to the immediate north and south of Louisville in uh, Indianapolis and Tennessee. So how are they going to do that? They have Rashard Bateman, a two-year receiver. They have six rookies. 
uh, on the team. They have two receivers that are going to play. They're going to be on the field with Bateman. And Bateman goes, um, uh, what what has uh, Daring got uh, Bateman going, Balky? It's, it's rising. It's rising. And I know he's been picking up um, over the last week or so. In the last seven days, shout out to Darren Amani at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, fantasymojo.com, who has all the great FFPC data that we always cite on this uh, program. Wide receiver 27 at the 5'11", Farrell, right in between Brandon Cooks and Chris Godwin, and on the other side of them, Darnell Mooney and Gabriel Davis. And in fantasy football, you will hear one of the things that makes me cringe, but you know what? This is about as close as you can get to saying that. There's really no one else there. And our astute gentleman that was with us last week on the show, our guest. uh, Jack Colshin. Yeah, Jack told us what he did for a living, but he's in fact, he's a spy. Uh, Jack Jack told us that he's down on Andrews. And maybe Jack is, is ahead of the curve on this because Andrews and Bateman, there's a lot to ask in this receiving game. What happens uh, with the running backs, you know, with, with what they do in Baltimore, the running backs are to check or chip uh, either the Sam or the wheel linebacker. Uh, the wide receivers here are expected to block. That's why they can't sign any in free agency. True. Yeah. And why, why they let, uh, why they let Willie Sneed ever get out of the building is beyond me. He's quietly playing in Carolina now. And so if you want to draft more Raven receivers, if you believe Lamar is this high in the draft, why aren't you drafting uh, DuVernay? Why aren't you drafting, I believe it's Prochet? Yep, James Prochet. The other receiver. Um, You know, so if you believe in Lamar, you have to believe in those guys because this team is just like everybody else in the AFC. They're going to have to throw the ball. They've got an offensive line to do it. But you know what? The greatest ability, uh, uh, Balky, is availability. And right now, Lamar is not available. Everybody wants to talk about how uh, Cooper Cup and Stafford became such a great duo because they ate breakfast together every morning. And that's not the reason, (laughs) but it's what happened after they ate breakfast. And so we know that uh, we know that some chemistry has to be developed with these young players and this quarterback. And it's not happening right now. So that's a long way for me to tell you, Balky, I'm off Lamar. So, I mean, at some point you would draft them, right? But the fact that, right. But the fact that guys like uh, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray are going almost like a half round later, I'd Mm -hmm. be willing to wait on either of those guys for sure. I like Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson. That's a round and a half later uh, going than than Lamar Jackson. Tom Brady can still get in the 10th round too. So there's a lot to like about that. And maybe Lamar Jackson, like everybody listens to this podcast, which obviously everyone does. And then he gets faded so far down, he becomes a value again. Right now, I think you and I are staying off him for sure. Um, We have the Irish CEO, Shane Wingard uh, himself, coming up in just a couple of minutes here before we get to him. Let's uh, go up to uh, 1265 Lombardi Avenue here in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Matt LaFleur telling uh, reporters that Sammy Watkins is, quote, going to be a big part of our offense. Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV had this report on Twitter. it wasn't too long ago when the Packers signed Watkins. We heard from Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the Athletic, and some other reporters, too, skeptical that Sammy Watkins would even be on the, the final 53-man roster. Now we get Matt LaFleur pumping him up. He did. I, it was weird. He didn't practice, I think, with the team the first couple of days of the voluntary OTAs, but now he's obviously practicing with the team. He's made a couple of plays in camp. And Farrell, I, I just I look at Sammy Watkins right now. It's the lowest his ADP has, has ever been that I can remember. He's catching passes from a two-time defending NFL MVP, and you can get him at wide receiver 80 in the 17th round. This is Van Jefferson, John Mechie, Sterling Shepard, Nico Collins territory. Totally worth a pick there. I'm hoping my green and gold goggles aren't showing through here because I've never liked Sammy Watkins from a fantasy standpoint. 17th round from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, it's a great thing to do in fantasy drafts. He'll be higher than that later on after we see him in the uniform and see him on the field with Rodgers. This is why some writers get the side eye uh, in the locker room for a whole career from certain players because, you know, Sammy Watkins may not read the press, but he knows there's a certain writer that after he signed with the team, a glorious decision to end his career at Green Bay with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Some writer named Matt said he's not going to make the team. You know? <laughs> and and the other thing, too, is like how how great would it – well, it wouldn't be great, but I would love to see a Super Bowl where Aaron Rodgers and Sammy Watkins ride off into the sunset together. Um, yeah, three or four years from now. Yeah, that would be that would be tremendous. I would totally root for that. 
Um, last thing we're going to get to before we bring on uh, Shane here. Najee Harris and the Steelers, oh. uh, according to Pro Football Talk, have had discussions on reducing his role on, quote, certain downs. Now, flashback to last year. Najee Harris, the rookie out of Alabama, 978 snaps. That was tops, not among rookie running backs, among all running backs. He had an 84% snap share. He played 170 more snaps than the next closest guy on the list, which was Ezekiel Elliott, and he had a 12% higher snap share than second place, Alvin Kamara, who only played 627 snaps. Now, Najee Harris was very good last year. However, we have to look at what certain downs could mean. Now, Mm -hmm. in 17 games last year, Jonathan Taylor played a 69% snap share, 212 fewer snaps. So if Harris is off the field, you'd like to think he'd be fresher to make big plays. Um, He breaks tackles at at a high rate, but he only had 16% of his yards come on 15-plus yard runs, which was behind Leonard Fournette. It was also behind David Montgomery. Najee Harris is going to catch passes, but the question now is, Farrell, what does certain downs mean? Does that mean third down? Does that mean he's going to take, you know, a la the Packers, how they – kind of work with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, um, like different series? Does that mean Harris is going to take a couple of series off uh, a game? What does this mean, and how do we handle this for fantasy? Uh, because it, and, it, and it's very important. Najee Harris, a first-round pick. In fact, he is the running back four right now at the 107. This is a big deal. This means that a guy that also writes some NBA basketball or follows pitch count in Major League Ball actually got an assignment to cover the team. And and made how many? What was the spread between he and Ezekiel? How many? Uh, 170. 170. Okay, so essentially, essentially, this uh, uh, Harris could take five plays off of game five five plays less per game, and he would still have a hundred more snaps or seventy eighty more snaps than than the closest. Uh, mm-hmm. And and uh, okay, so so this is a nothing burger for you. You're not concerned. There, there, there's nothing here for fantasy, and there's nothing here for football. Although, All right, but, but let me let me throw this at you. What if certain downs mean third downs? Because that's no. obviously the the down we want him out there for sure. In in week three, how many passes did he catch from Ben last year in one oh, game? Was it seventeen? It, but it was a bunch. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just. He is the heart and soul of this team, and they're going to need all hands on deck of great, talented players to help this quarterback develop into who he is going to be. And I will say, you know, if you ever spend any time with the Tennessee Titans, a Tennessee Titan fan, uh, or if you ever go to a game in Tennessee, you should hear the people howl when Derrick Henry is on the sidelines for one play. They just go absolutely nuts. They just completely freak out. Same thing will happen with Najee Harris. He's He's on the he's on the field. He will continue to be at the top. Uh, and you know, last year could be um, last year could be an outlier, but I think he will continue uh, to be on the field with a three down back. All right, so there you go. Uh, you heard it from from Farrell, and you know, quite frankly, it's tough for me based on this report. It's tough for me to all of a sudden move him behind. Uh, who's he going ahead of right now? Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Swift. It's tough for me to move a guy like that behind those players. Now you could, and and I get why you would, but right now this is to me this is not enough to go on. Um, let's bring in our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is an FFPC main event league champ and a three-time FFPC dynasty uh, football guys players championship league winner. Been playing high stakes for about fifteen years. He's a huge Steeler fan. Was born in Pittsburgh, but grew up in New York. So the Bills are his second team. I have a feeling we might get into some Pittsburgh and Buffalo conversations tonight. Uh, he's here to talk about some of the football guys' drafts he's already completed this season, how he plans on winning a free 2023 FFPC main event in this year's Pros versus Joe's Con uh, competition. Follow him on Twitter at IrishCEO1337. Please welcome onto the program Shane Wingard. Shane, I, I was going to say thanks for skipping a football guys draft. To, to join us tonight, but I think you just finished one, didn't you? I, I did, literally minutes before this. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing a ton this year, dude. It's it's crazy. Like There is nobody. You're like the human ADP. You could create your own ADP right now with all the football guys' drafts you've done. Yeah, I think the only guy that's uh, beating me right now is Sunrun. He's got a couple on me. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. But it's, not, it's very, very close. It's very, very close. Um, all right, so let's get into this. I, I want to talk about um, what what your day job is because I think that 
what you do there is kind of helping you um, put together some projections and, and really drafting with clarity this year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, thanks for having me. It's really nice to finally meet you guys and put a face to the name. Um, so I'm a uh, IT manager as well as a senior software engineer um, for a large consulting firm. And then I also have my own IT consulting business. So I focus in data analytics, data warehousing, like statistical analysis. And I take a lot of that into doing my own projections and, you know, things like that. Um, and then I also play poker on the side. That's like my side hustle. So I'm headed to Vegas this weekend, actually. Oh, exciting. Are you in the World Series of Poker? Uh, I played a couple years ago, and I just played in the World Series of Poker circuit event at Turning Stone in New York. Um, Got but it. I'm there for a tech conference, actually, so I'm just going to play cash games. Oh, there you go. Not a bad way to do it. Well, listen, this this is like you are not the first poker uh, fantasy football guy. I feel like these kind of go hand in hand. It probably um, helps you a little bit, right? Being oh, absolutely. Both makes you a better <laughs> poker player, makes you a better fantasy football player doing the other thing. It's yeah. a pretty impressive resume you got there, Iris CEO. You know, it. Uh, um, so you say meeting us for the first time. Have you not been to Planet Hollywood and Draft Live in Las Vegas? No, uh, this yeah, is the first the year I'm going live, actually. So You'll be I, there. That, that's good. That's good. We like that. You know, I think you have played a little bit in Kentucky here as well and yes. had some success. You know, I uh, you have not showed up to collect any of your trophies. And based on the decor behind you, it looks like a trophy could find a place <laughs> to live in, in your room there. And, and, you know, I love the Bumblebee jersey that you're working. But let's go. Let's go first of all and talk about the Buffalo Bills, a team that uh, I know you know inside and out. This was an unusual team to me. And when I saw that they jettisoned uh, Cole Beasley and I wondered what would ha- who they would bring in to replace him, I couldn't think of a better player than Jameson Crowder. Uh, after the draft, uh, uh, Khalil Shakir, that – that's that's a player that I want to get on the field if I'm in that coaching staff. So I think that might get some Crowder snaps. I think personally, in my fantasy football career, I've I've always underrated Crowder a little bit to my own demise. Your your conversation, it, I just want to hear what you think about it. Everyone loves Diggs, and we know what Diggs does uh, to the opposing defense. That opens things for Davis. Balky and I have been big Gabriel Davis fans. I'll finally ask the question. It's Davis and it's Crowder. What do you expect from Crowder? And uh, how do you see uh, how do you see the team utilizing this mix of talented tight ends that have come in behind Dawson Knox? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think some of those vacated targets will probably go to Gabriel Davis. I know a lot of people are really high on him. So his ADP has really kind of been shooting up there. But yeah. uh, I honestly love Jamison Crowder at his ADP. You can pick him up in like the 13th to 16th round. Mm-hmm. Um, Cole Beasley had over 100 targets the past three years as the slot receiver. So, I mean, I think you can expect at least something around that for Jamison Crowder. And even if that's a little bit lower, you know, 80, 90 targets, that's still a decent value, you know, in the 13th, 14th, 15th round. Targets so, that targets that he's going to catch, sure-handed yeah, targets. Yeah, that he's absolutely. Going to catch. So, and I, I think once he catches it, he's better with the ball running than than uh, Beasley was at this point in his career last year. Exactly. He's basically a, a younger, a younger, uh, a slightly more accomplished Beasley, I would say. But uh, yeah, enough. no, I I really like that replacement. To be honest. Um. And by the way, Crowder going um, right behind Jacoby Myers and Jahan Dotson, right ahead of Tim Patrick, Alec Pierce, not close. I like Crowder the best out of all those guys. And as Shane said, get him in the 13th round as well. Um, Speaking of late round, that's more of a mid-round wide receiver. Let's talk about late round wide receiver. A.J. Green, what kind of impact do you think he's going to make on football guys' teams this year, given that he's not going until the penultimate round of the draft, not going until the 19th? A.J. Green. Potential Hall of Famer. Shane, what, what is he going to do for fantasy owners this year? Yeah, so I, I've actually been drafting him fairly heavily so far. Um, it's such a free dart throw that he's, especially when Hopkins out, he's definitely going to be lining up, you know, opposite Marquise Brown probably, um, unless they move, you know, Rondell Moore around a little bit. But 
you know, last year he had 92 targets, 54 receptions, and he was just learning the playbook. Think of what he could do this year with another year, uh, you know, the offseason with Murray and everybody. And as long as he stays healthy, I, I think that's a great dart throw. Um, I, I mean, I think he could easily replicate those numbers, you know, 54 receptions, 848 yards or so. So, and, yeah, and, and going so late too. And, and the thing is, like, you know, if he if he's not if he's not getting it done, or when Hopkins is back, you know, in week what they have like a week seven bye. Am I, am I right in saying that, yeah. guys? Something like that. You could always drop him after six weeks. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the exact point. Like if he's not if he's not getting it done, um, what what's the investment? There's no investment on that in the 19th round. So I'm totally totally on board with AJ Green, one of the older receivers. Um, let's talk about. Uh, well, I'll let Farrell ask a question. <laughs> What older was? Oh, you want? Well, wait a minute. I'm still talking about moving around Rondell Moore. I that's what I like <laughs> horizontally, not yeah, vertically. He right, will run yeah. along the uh, he will run along the line of scrimmage and and fall down. Uh, I don't know why they use that player. I like what you say about the playbook with AJ Green. I I don't think there's been a playbook that that's been written that he hasn't read. So, but nevertheless, let's go let's go down to Houston. Uh, I think I know the answer I'm going to get from this question. Uh, and it really centers a, around uh, the number one receiver in Houston, which I think fantasy players like to think of as a number two receiver. But I think he could challenge a lot of number one receivers this year, and, and that's Brandon Cooks. But I also want to talk about Nico Collins and John Mechie. I think Collins was getting it towards the end of the year. I love the quarterback. I love the vibe of the new coaches. Uh, this this is sort of these two guys, Collins and Mechie, you know, going back to our Crowder conversation, getting him ridiculously late. If you CEO, if you'll remember, we were we were getting him in the 18th, 19th, 20th round back in February, which yeah. uh, is just ridiculous. Now, uh, Collins and, and Mechie, I, I think that's kind of where they are. Uh, your thoughts on these receivers? Are you as high on that quarterback and what these receivers can accomplish as I am? Uh, yeah, I think I would say so. So one thing you got to you got to think about is Davis Mills really took some big steps forward the last couple of weeks of last season, mm -hmm. um, and he especially showed out to Brandon Cooks. You know, Nico Collins was a rookie, and you know he did pretty well for the targets that he got. You bump those up to you know 70, 80, 90 targets or more. Imagine what he could do. Um, he's very athletic. Um, and then I think Mechie could even step in as like a slot guy and kind of, you know, get maybe not be as effective as James Crowder as a rookie, but, you know, a decent dart throw, you know. Uh, so let's talk about Brandon Cooks, though. I feel like he is one of the most disrespected wide receivers in yes. fantasy yeah. every single year. This man could go 100 receptions, 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns. The next year, he would still be ranked outside the top twenty. Somehow, <laughs> <laughs> you know, CEO, you you've got quite a, a resume that you put in fantasy football. Balky is is quite the voice of, of terrestrial radio, as well as the various uh, podcasts that we've had. And I've been trying to bust up my uh, resume a little bit. I've been doing a couple of spots on local radio, and. Uh, a listener called in and says, I really like it when Farrell talks about uh, Davis Mills because every third or fourth times he calls him Miles Davis, which I thought, you know, I thought that was pretty, oh, that's pretty good from him. But uh, last question about Houston that, that I got to know, what about the tight end, Brevin Jordan? Because he was part of that end of the season uh, rise of prominence there in Houston. Your thoughts on him in a league where we, we got to get the 1.5 at the tight end position. I actually just drafted him about five minutes before I jumped. <laughs> so uh, he, I love him as like a second or third tight end. You got to love athletic tight ends with yard after the catchability. Um, and I think he's going to, I think he's a decent dart throw. I mean, you, you want somebody that has the athletic ability to to go with the yard after a catch, especially the tight ends. So I, I think he's a decent dart throw. Yeah, and, and 17th round, too. Um, so that's another one. Uh, you if know, it doesn't work out. Yeah, you just release. I mean, Daniel Bellinger, Trey McKitty, John U. Smith. Um, it's a, oh, nobody's, 
Nobody's drafting Trey McKinney ball. Well, I'm just telling you, there, there's some, that somebody has in the last no. seven days. No, they haven't. It's only been one person, but somebody has in the last seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I know who it was, and his name might be Tupacker. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about uh, Brandon Cooks before we put a button on this. I don't understand this, guys, because I feel like on this show, I just did Bob Bob Hoog was on the road of his high stakes lowdown earlier this afternoon. We talked about it as, as well. I have not I've been talking about Brandon Cooks for months. I haven't found anybody who hasn't said I love his ADP. Everybody's no. on board with it. And yet he doesn't I, everyone else disrespects. Apparently, I've had only Brandon Cooks fans on FFPC podcast for the last several months because everybody loves him, and yet he's still going. Now he has moved up a little bit. Yes, I, will, I, I, I have will. noticed since May he's yes. been slowly creeping up from like sixth sixth round or so. Now he's like middle fifth, like yep. top of the fifth. He is so. in the the Marquise Brown, Jerry Judy, Chris Godwin, Rashad Bateman uh, category yeah. right now. So he has moved up. It's not enough. Still by Brandon Cooks. All right, let's talk about a guy who maybe is twice the size of Brandon Cooks, and that's Leonard Fournette. Um, he ascended after it was clear that the Bucks were not going to invest heavy day one uh, draft capital into a running back. He ascended to the mid-second in uh, Football Guys Leagues. What are the chances, Shane, that he lives up to his draft capital of not only being a mid-second round pick, but right now he is the ninth running back off the board? I honestly think Fournette is going to smash that ATP. Um, the main thing to think and or to take into account is how much is Rashad White going to eat into his reception target share and his rushing totals. I think the rushing total he's not going to siphon too much off of, but you know you you got to think is he he was a decent pass catching back in college. Um, you know how much of that target share is Fournette going to retain? Um, and that's the only like slight thing that I would think about, but I mean, I, I love them still, especially in the second round. What do you think about that vibe of the team now with, uh, the new head coach? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of people really haven't. They just think it's a natural progression, but I, I think it might improve. Yeah, I mean, so you got to think about coaches. Are they defensive-minded, offensive-minded, new concepts mm-hmm. they might bring? But I think at the same time, Tom Brady influences a lot of the offenses he's on, and he has a big say in Tampa versus New England. He might not have had as much say. So I feel like they're going to keep with a lot of the continuity, but he's going to bring maybe some new energy, some new concepts and plays and things like that. But, I, I mean, I don't expect them to do too much different. They're going to continue to sling the rock and – you know, Fournette will get his red zone touches that will be quite abundant, I, I'd imagine. I agree. I think they'll have a lot of fun doing it. You know, uh, I guess disrespect may be the theme of the show as we continue to this question. I uh, Last year at the end of the second round, I was drafting Ezekiel Elliott, and I got a, I got a big thumbs up from our mutual and beloved friend, Brad uh, Petra, who's suffering from disrespect from you, CEO. He expects to hear from you. That's, uh, that's a side point. Uh, you know, as we speak about Fournette, it, it's interesting to realize that Fournette's actually a year older than Ezekiel. It's uh, it, it, all – I loved him in the end of the second round last year, and the disrespect – of a player that rushed for double-digit touchdowns, caused 47 passes and 1,000 yards rushing, and everybody thinks he's through, and he's at the end of the fourth round or mid-fourth round, or, you know, maybe he's going to be supplanted by Brandon Cooks. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, your thoughts, CEO. Yeah, so a lot of things that all the, the people on Twitter, the analysts, they all look to – Ezekiel Elliott's efficiency has kind of gone down year over year the past couple of years. He's still finishing as a top 10 running back. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, But they then look at Pollard and his efficiency, especially last year, was through the roof compared to Ezekiel Elliott's. So you got to wonder, is Pollard going to earn himself a little bit bigger of a role? Um, Even if he does, I still feel like Elliott's a value in the fourth. I mean, I, I still like taking him, even if, you know, Ezekiel runs for maybe around 200 carries, and maybe he, he sees some of that to Pollard. Um, I still see him worth being, you know, around, you know, 
200 to 250 fantasy points, something like that. Um, I'm not too worried about that. But again, you know, pop, what if they split it 50-50? Then, you know, that fourth round pick looks a little worse. Yeah. I'm just I'm just going to say this, and I mentioned this on the show last week of how I just, you know, we, we talk about all these players on this program, and I start to like everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a little tan or a sermon here. You go receiver heavy or tight end heavy first three rounds, say these guys are all going in the fourth or fifth round. The the lead running back on the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams Cam Akers, David Montgomery, who could be the heart and soul of the Chicago Bears offense this year, who catches passes, Ezekiel Elliott, who we just talked about why he's a value in the fourth round. J.K. Dobbins, a guy we haven't seen in a while, so he's getting disrespected a little bit. If healthy, he could be a really valuable guy in that Baltimore backfield. And then a guy who was a borderline first-round pick last year in Antonio Gibson for Washington going right ahead of Josh Jacobs in the fifth round, who um, could be the lead running or should be the lead running back on a very exciting offense that might be involved in a lot of shootout games in the AFC West. So if you go receiver heavy or tight end heavy in the first three rounds, you're going to have some options in the fourth and fifth. I will leave it at that. Um, you just talked about Elliot Farrell. Let's uh, move it over from the uh, NFC uh, East over to the NFC West and talk about the Arizona Cardinals. James Conner, the lead dog there, Shane. He's missed several games over the course of his career dating back to Pittsburgh. So if somebody is looking to get the backup Cardinals running back, um, maybe you've you know, come across this in your football guys' drafts. Uh, have you been getting more Keontae Ingram, the rookie, or more Daryl Williams, the freshly signed free agent? Who are you looking at as Connor's backup? Not necessarily if you have Connor, but just looking for you know some one injury away type guys. Absolutely. Um, so Daryl Williams was actually somebody who I targeted before he was even on a team. Um, the early drafts, I was getting him like round 16 to 20 because he wasn't on a team yet, but Looking at his resume from last year at Kansas City, he, he did really well. He had 47 receptions. You know, he, he had, I think, like eight or nine touchdowns. And, uh, you know, you just know a free agent of that caliber is going to sign somewhere. So once he signed with Connor, he has a three-down, you know, skill set, just like Connor. Um, I would say he's the direct backup. Um, not saying Ingram is completely undraftable, but... I probably wouldn't draft him until like the last couple rounds, mm. if anything. You know, six round draft capital or capital this year in the NFL draft. I just don't think Ingram will get that many looks, barring injury. So Williams is the guy for you. If Absolutely. You're okay. Absolutely. You you got you got a mojo on Williams for us, Balky. Yeah, I sure do, Farrell. Let me uh, let me bring that up right now. Uh, Daryl Williams. Now this is at, he's he's been signed for more than a week, so this should be fresh. This is all uh, drafts where he has been rostered by the Cardinals. Running back fifty one at the twelve oh seven. It's after Khalil Herbert and Kenneth Gainwell. It is right before James Robinson and Marlon Mack. Okay, that's good. I think that I think you guys are onto something right there. I I'm glad you are, and I'm enjoying all this Arizona Cardinal. Uh, um, information and let's I keep need, it going. Yeah, I might need to look at some of my uh, my own ratings because I haven't done much with the Cardinals this year. It's uh, I haven't really liked the vibe of what's going on with the team. I love their rookie tight end draft, so that makes me want to ask you, Zacherts, um, do you see him? Do you see his role enhanced because of Hopkins? Not being there early, uh, do you see uh, two tight ends on the field? Do you see Ertz as more of a slot receiver? And does it really matter if the quarterback can't get it worked out uh, in this offense? I, I'm just not – there's a lot of things about this that, that I need some direction on, CEO. Help me out, will you? Yeah, absolutely. So – I uh, absolutely love Ertz this year. Uh, I think he was the tight end four or five when Hopkins was out for those four games last year. Um, and they bumped him up to about a 23, 24% target share. So I think you could envision something close to that for the six games that Hopkins is out. Um, he you know, clearly became a favorite target of Murray, especially with Hopkins out. He's a huge target in the middle of the field. Uh, I mean, I absolutely love him. 
you think yeah. the rookie affects any of his target share play time? Uh, Trey McBride, we're speaking of some. Um, Trey McBride obviously was the number one tight end coming out of the draft, um, and he he's definitely talented, you know. But rookie tight ends do have a, hard, a really large learning curve. You know, it takes a while to get them up to speed and get them on the field. Um, I think you might even see some two tight end sets, you know, where, where they're yeah, both I mean, on the field, um, especially while Hopkins is out, you know, another talented big pass catcher. So, you know, I, I think he'll get some looks, but not enough to siphon enough off of him, especially like in the seventh, eighth round, if you can get Ertz around there. The football guys drafters have um, Goddard and Ertz essentially going late sixth um, to mid seventh on average. And they're kind of an, uh, on an island by themselves. Um, before Goddard and Ertz, TJ Hawkinson has an ADP of the 508. Um, so like mid fifth there. And then Dawson Knox at the 807. So they, they're kind of in the middle there. It's tight end eight and nine. I think Ertz is very valuable this year um, for sure. And let's take it. Yeah, let's go to some emails here for you, Shane. Uh, the right. first one, uh, Richard, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hey, Shane, is it smart to avoid DJ Moore this year with a lot of questions at quarterback in Carolina? Uh, thank you for the email, Richard in Colorado Springs. So you look at uh, DJ Moore, his ADP, which I am bringing up right now, and I, I think it's fairly high. Wide receiver 16 at the at the 406. Now he is going behind Jalen Waddell and Deontay Johnson, but he's going ahead of guys like Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, and Allen Robinson. So, I, I, Shane, how how have you been handling DJ Moore in your drafts? Is, is he like a guy that you would look at at the 406 here? Or is he a guy you've been fading? Uh, I slightly fade him. So DJ Moore, he is extremely talented. He's the clear number one on his team. However, I don't feel with his quarterback situation, his targets are extremely efficient as compared to someone with a top-tier quarterback. So if he if he gets, you know, if the ADP pushes him down in a draft to maybe around five or six, absolutely I'll take him. But there are quite a few other wide receivers and better quarterback situations. Sutton, for instance, uh, you know, now he has Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. You know, and Russell Wilson's uh, easily bumped up, or he's supported two wide receiver ones or high end twos at the same time back in Seattle. Um, I like the upside there with a better quarterback. Again, he, I still think he's going to get probably around 1,000 yards, you know, a decent amount of receptions, five, six touchdowns. So definitely not undraftable, but uh, I, I wait until see if he kind of drops past the fourth round. Let me ask you this. Um, you're, you're facing a wide receiver conundrum in the early fifth. DJ Moore's out there and so is Amari Cooper. And you're mm. married to one of those guys. Which one are you taking if it has to be one of those two, Shane? Oh, that's a tough one. So if Deshaun Watson is playing this year, I take a Cooper hands down, not even a thought. <laughs> but what if you don't know? What if you if, don't know? What if, if you don't? If, if you don't yeah. know, uh, probably because Jacoby Brissett will be starting because I don't think Baker's gonna step on the field for the Browns again. Uh, gosh, I would go with DJ. You know, okay. fair enough. Let's get to one last email here. Uh, Tom in Lima, Ohio. Are you usually avoiding picking up the backup to your early round running backs and football guys drafts, or do you view it as a waste of a pick? Thanks, uh, Irish. That is Tom in sure. Lima, Ohio. This is interesting. And and just uh, me personally, I have switched. I used to really try, especially like KFFSC main event, which is the biggest tournament I play in. I have, I used to always try to get my handcuffs and, and now are backups, whatever. Now I'm trying to get everybody else's because I think you, you want to increase the variance of trying to get a super dominant team at the end of the season. Is that the, the philosophy you follow, Shane? So yes and no. So in tournament drafts, like football guys draft, main events, stuff like that, um, I usually go after other cuffs because then if 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 that, you know, say Ezekiel Elliott goes down and, and someone else had him and you have Pollard, now you have an additional starting running back on your squad. However, in high stakes drafts, you know, in anything like $1,000 up, I tend to cuff my own backs to protect my team. Um, and you don't need as much of a variance. You're not trying to go against several hundred other teams right. to get that. So, you know, also if you can get a backup much later, I don't mind cuffing my own backs because you're not losing a valuable pick. Like if you can get, 
James Conner in the third or fourth round. You can get Daryl Williams in the 12th or 13th probably. You know, that's not losing a valuable pick. However, if you have Ezekiel Elliott and you have to draft Pollard in the sixth to the eighth, you might want to use that on another backup or a wide receiver that might start. Right. So I've always, so that's I, how it, that, that's been like the, that was, this is the Foster Tate theorem that I had back when uh, Arian Foster and Ben Tate were running the ball in, in Houston. I, I, I stayed away from Foster after the Texans uh, drafted Ben Tate because then you had to soak two single digit picks into a backfield. And I was like, well, that's, hmm. that's a losing proposition. And my track record would dictate that I was right, that that was a losing uh, proposition. We got a lot of trophies with your name on them, too. Yeah, I know, but I never never did that with those. Like, I that was a a total different – that was a total different philosophy I had when I actually won, Farrell. Like, like Uh I I think – and I I think Shane's backed me up on this. When you have to – and I'll I'll call a single-digit pick, a a single-digit round pick, a premium pick – if you yep. have to scope two of those picks into the same backfield, oh, unless you are in a closed 12-team league, I don't think you're going to be winning the big money. There's well, like one or two things or backfields like that where the backup has enough standalone value. Maybe you would do that. Maybe Aaron Jones and getting A.J. Dillon, and you can start Dillon as a flex, and he's right. good enough. But, like, you know, there, there's so many backfields. Like, you know, you don't want to waste that pick. <laughs> Like you the, guys Priest, remind me of Priest the Holmes, uh, Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson was another one too. That was one I stayed away from, you know, because it just it, and that was only in existence for like one or two years. But I stayed Larry away Johnson from that. and who? Priest Holmes. Oh yes, yes, you yeah. yeah back in well, the you day. you guys are like the security guard. It's at my mall. You 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 have the cheap handcuffs. That's exactly. <laughs> All right, now I you know I have avoided. I'm going to ask you. All top running back backups this week on the high stakes fantasy yes. football hour. I love it. Yeah. I, this is why I do the show, CEO, is to ask this question about what you like and what you avoid. If you two will notice on the screen, I have avoided putting CEO with my name. I can't stand the responsibility. <laughs> I'm not prepared for the tax consequences. I do like the way Balky has CEO in all caps up here, Irish. I, I, would, I would consider that as like a shot across the bow there to you. And we invite you to come to Kentucky where uh, everyone would love to have you there. And uh, the only people that wouldn't love to have you there would be the Hoosiers in the poker room, which the, there's two very nice poker rooms there waiting for you. But I digress. One player that you really, really want to have that we haven't talked about so far tonight. And one guy that it just, you know, you're avoiding completely. He's no draft for you. you, you don't get into that conversation. Well, if he fell far enough, no, because he's not. I just want to know who he is. Uh, sure. I think you tipped your hat on DJ Moore, so somebody like that. <laughs> yeah, I can give you another one. Um, so I don't always wait for quarterbacks. Um, however, uh, when I do, I absolutely love Stafford at his ADP. You know, you can get him in the ninth to 11th round usually. Um, you know, he still – his whole supporting cast is back, and now he's getting Allen Robinson – instead of hurt Robert Woods was out all last year. Um, I think he's absolutely in a place to succeed and you're not wasting one of your premium picks on QB. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to light up the world, but, you know, he easily could throw for 35, 40 touchdowns easily again. Um, you know, so Stafford's one of the guys that I'm kind of targeting as a QB. So who I'm avoiding, uh, currently I'm avoiding Kenneth Walker and the Seahawks. So... Oh. He is not, in my opinion, undraftable. However, I don't understand why people are drafting him 100% of the time before Rashad Penny, who lit up the fantasy world for the first time when he wasn't hurt last year, the last like five, six weeks of the season. He was one of the most, I think he was the most efficient back the last six weeks of the season or close. Um, You know, I'm not going to, he's going in like the fifth round usually. And you can get Rashad Penny several rounds later. I just, I'm never going to waste a pick that high on someone. Again, he might split the backfield as like a 1B to a 1A. But like, I don't think he's worth the fifth round pick. You know, I would rather take him a couple rounds later, but he's always gone before I want to take him. <laughs> so yeah, I hey, it, I... became a, it became a moot point 
because of the injury. But did you feel the same way last year about Etienne and James Robinson? Can you recall? Uh, so James Robinson was tricky because his coaching staff just hated him. <laughs> Urban Meyer, I don't know what that well, guy Well, you know, it was well-deserved hate. You know, if you're going to be hated by someone, might as well have been those guys, you know. Yeah, it's uh, Urban Meyer. I don't know what he was doing. Like, he just didn't want to start his best player, uh, you know. <laughs> just, I was just curious. I, I, that's that's what this sort of reminded me of. So that's just so – Yeah. Um, and we found out that um, Pete Carroll said today Chris Carson's not going to be ready for training camp, which might push, quite frankly, Shane, might push up um, Kenneth Walker even more. Yeah. And it might push up Rashad Penny, but I don't think as much. And he's already going in the eighth round. I mean, so to so that, you know, it, it again, makes yeah. Rashad Penny I, even more. I attractive. still like Walker, just he's always gone before I'm willing to take him. <laughs> and, and that's my point, too, because now that we get this news on Carson, I think the ADP gets even higher for Walker. Whereas Penny, I don't think, and I'm just guessing here, speculating, I don't think that he goes up as much as, as Walker might, even though Penny has much further to go to, yeah. to try to, to, to meet in the middle there. And I get people's hesitancy. You know, Penny was for, for what, the first three years of his career, and he only has a small sample size of success. But what if he's healthy all next year, you know? Right. And these are, I mean, there weren't too many major injuries where – it's like he didn't tear a bunch of ligaments and like like not all of these things were terrible. There were a lot of soft tissue type things, but I don't know. He's just well, and, the, and the other thing to keep in mind is, is we've already seen Rashad Penny, the first round running yeah. back in the NFL draft, not live up to expectations. We have not seen that from Kenneth Walker because he hasn't had a chance to. And when, when you have the, the shiny toy, the unwrapped package, <laughs> door number two, that's always a little bit more exciting than door number one of Rashad Penny. Yeah, um, I, I want, because I know you're a Steelers fan, I want to get to one last thing before we let you go, Shane, and I appreciate you hanging out with us a couple extra minutes. Um, this uh, Dale Lally, who reports on the Steelers for DK Pittsburgh Sports, said Mitchell Trubisky has been the clear number one quarterback during minicamp. In fact, Mason Rudolph was the backup. Kenny Pickett and his tiny baby hands were uh, the number <laughs> three quarterback. Now, Lally said this, this could be how it's going to be once the regular season starts as well. Trubisky signed an incentive-laden deal. It was two years, $26 million. It's it's more than an average backup quarterback deal, but it doesn't exactly say, hey, you're going to be the guy until until Pickett's ready. My question for you is, who if, if, you, if you have Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, you know, any of these players, Pat Fryermuth, quite frankly, any of these guys, George Pickens, would you rather have Trubisky in as, at quarterback as long as possible and let Pickett worry about next, you know, in 2023? Or would you like to see Pickett at some point because he could be the more talented of the two run, uh, quarterbacks? So I'm really watching the this camp battle. That's one of the things I'm watching most closely because that'll affect all the Deontay Johnsons and Claypools and Najis that people are drafting. Um, I think I prefer Trubisky gets to the start at least this year. So Pickett can learn the playbook, get up to the NFL speed. Um, again, you know, if Pickett shows out in the in camp and he ends up beating him out fair and square, you know, I, I would say you start whoever wins that battle. Um, but, you know, Trubisky, had, he was just in a terrible situation in Chicago. He did not have a supporting cast. He had one wide receiver in Allen Robinson to throw to. He had no, no one else besides, I guess, David Montgomery, but... I mean, he just, I, I don't think he had the supporting cast that he does now. And I think he's going to do decently well if he starts. Um, I lied. One last question. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you have done a ton of football guys drafts this year. Yes. You've not done a ton. I think you've done one best ball, if I remember correctly. But yeah. you have been selected as one of the 42 Joes in the FFPC Pros versus Joes competition chain. Are you going to jump in? I, I know you did the, the best ball tournament draft. Are you going to jump in some more best balls for prep for pros versus Joe's or how are you sort of handling that knowing it's a, it's a best ball slim draft? So yeah, I'll probably do a couple more to kind of get a feel for the difference in the ADPs. Um, and I do a lot of like statistical research on the side, like my own sort of scoring. I mostly focus on redraft. I definitely need to prepare differently for this because it's a whole different ball, ball game, you know, in best ball. So I'll, I'll be doing it a couple best balls in preparation for sure. And I can't uh, wait. I can't wait. I'm absolutely honored to be able to to join that for my first year. So this well, is going to be great. 
and, and this this too is the first time that we've ever done video with with the pros versus joe's coverage uh, as well so listen cool, if thanks. you want to pop by pop back in make an appearance maybe make a pick on the air for pros versus joe's when you're drafting. have you talked to darren do you know if you're drafting live yeah yeah he he messaged me um and said that uh he's working on the schedule and okay. i said i'm available for any of the the days okay. but I, pr I prefer a live draft and if I you wanna... do do a live draft we'd love to have you back on here yeah this absolutely this is great i really enjoyed being here i appreciate it guys um we, appre we appreciate you we will continue to follow you on twitter uh, of course at irish ceo 1337 thank you so much for carving out some time on this thursday um and listen good luck at pros versus joe's good luck in the fpc good luck in the main event um right. and, and we'll be rooting for you man thanks all so right. much thanks everyone all right see ya. thank you irish shane wingard ladies and gentlemen the irish ceo himself at irish ceo 1337 and i'm not lying he's been in a ton of football guys drafts this year he oh, mentioned yeah. um uh sunrun um Dave Hubbard, who has been in a in a ton of of uh, football guys drafts, which is you know normal for him this time of year. He he does a lot of the early stuff, um, but this is a guy, Farrell. You know, we always say Genesis sets the ADP, Revelation sets the ADP. Shane Wingard might be setting the ADP. Like as far as what what he has been able to see this year, um, he he knows when guys are at values. He knows when to fade guys, and I think we got a lot of that from from this interview tonight. Yeah, he's got a good take on all players throughout the draft. I think, you know, we talked about every Arizona Cardinal with the exception of uh, N.O. Benjamin, Enzo Benjamin. And if he does come back, he's got to wear that Bumblebee uh, Steelers jersey. That's a necessity that he yes. uh, hears in that. But, yeah, he's very uh, – he, he's a very, very honest player in his approach to the game. He's well thought out. He believes in his numbers, but also he knows football. He's a perfect kind of quant guy that you want to sit down and talk to because you can tell as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, underneath all those numbers, he's got an excellent knowledge of the game. Yeah, and I'm very excited to see what he's able to do this year. Like I said, he's 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 expanded his territory in the Football Guys Players Championship. I don't think he's ever done this many uh, leagues before. I think this is his first year in the FFPC main event, but he is one to follow for sure, and I have a feeling he's going to be pretty successful. Um, let's try to make some other people successful before we sign off this week. Uh, Jess in Oakland, California writes in, hey, guys, with Leonard Fournette tipping the scales at over 240 pounds. Let's stop right there. Fair. We, we found out that Leonard Fournette is over 240. We found out Najee Harris reported at 244. Are you concerned with either of those guys weighing in uh, at that much, or is it just too early to be concerning ourselves with that? Um, the Harris surprises me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, me too. You know, it's it's not about the scale; it's it's about the body. And and Fournette has always been a big body. Uh, Harris is a young player who is uh, developing. So, I imagine uh, whether he's been training at Cal Strength or down in somewhere in Arizona, uh, he is. That's probably all good. That's probably all good muscle mass and all good weight. So, no, I don't. Okay. Know. All right. Um, I think I told the story. Maybe I didn't tell it on this show. But I have a friend who, Farrell, are you familiar with the Walk-Ons franchise? Walk-Ons. No. It's, it's a sports bar, like a Buffalo Wild Wings-esque sports bar. In, I like uh, the name much better. Yes. Yeah, It's. In, I think it started in Louisiana. I think it's branched out. There's going to be one in Vegas uh, coming up soon, but it's in Florida, Georgia, like mostly in the southeastern part of the country. In any mm -hmm. event, I have a friend who works at uh, one right outside of Baton Rouge. And she said that Leonard Fournette used to come in. This is when he was playing at LSU. Used to come in by himself, and he'd order the spin dip. You know, the spinach artichoke chip, uh, artichoke okay. dip with the tortilla chips and everything. But he wouldn't touch the chip. She said he just took a spoon and he just ate the spin dip. Just like oh. And this is not a one-time thing. He did this oh. a ton when he was when he was a Bayou Bengal, which, which I thought was hilarious. Also. This was the days pre-NIL, so he was not a great tipper uh, either. Oh, but but yeah. funny stuff from Leonard Fournette. Anyway, uh, getting back to, to Jess in Oakland, California's question. Do we recommend Giovanni Bernard or Rashad White as the as the backup? Go Dubs! Uh, Jess in Oakland, California. Yeah, Warriors uh, in a dogfight. Must win game tomorrow night in uh, Boston. Um, Rashad White, I liked. And then... Yeah. I had a conversation with Dizzle like a couple of weeks ago. It was a short conversation. He's like, you know, Giovanni Bernard could beat this guy out to be the backup. 
And I never really considered it before because obviously new shiny toy, Rashad White, Giovanni Bernardi has been around the block. I didn't consider it. Is this a real thing? Do we need to consider this? Or, or is it going to be Rashad White if Burnett misses time? I don't think so. This offense is so efficient and so impressively run that I don't know if there's much for this backup. And I, and I don't think they could play like uh, Fournette does. I, I don't. And Bernard, Epps, I, I agree with the Dizzle. He could easily be the backup, but he had a, a gruesomely bad year last year. Yeah. I, I just thought he did not play well. Uh, no, this the, the backups at that running back position, especially how Fournette has has developed later in his career as a pass catcher, yeah, I, I'm I'm disinterested in those two guys. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I as I look at the mojo for him right now, I think Bernard is going much much. Yeah, Giovanni Bernard not even being drafted in the Football right. Guys Players Championship, and Rashad White is uh, somewhere late here. Oh no, not that late actually. No, ten oh four. Yeah, I think it's a. I don't I don't necessarily understand that. Uh, I could be wrong when preseason rolls around and I see how he looks in the offense, and then then I'll make a, a another decision. But right now, especially in the tenth round, I've got better things to do. With yeah, that capital. And don't they still have uh, the Vanderbilt running back down there, Sean Vaughn? Uh, yeah, yes, still yeah, still we, a part of the team. Yeah. Um, let, let's do one final email and we'll save the rest for next Friday, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. Juan in Chicago, how concerned are you guys? about Traylon Burks and his asthma. Uh, thank you for the email, Juan in Chicago. So this was interesting kind of um, reporting done by the Tennessee Titans beat writers. When Traylon Burks is at the, the rookie mini camp or whatever they call it, um, yeah. he, was, he was having some problems breathing. And immediately most of them attribute it, oh, he's out of shape, bad conditioning, whatever. Um, and then – like there was some more thorough thorough reporting done and we found out oh yeah he's he's got asthma this is something he's been dealing with for a while Farrell, do we concern ourselves as as fantasy players are we now that we know that burks is 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 diagnosed with asthma do we downgrade him right now because he is going in the seventh round um deandre hopkins Devontae smith right ahead of him hunter renfro drake london right behind him but wide receiver 37 what kind of an impact, knowing that he has asthma, knowing that he's dealing with this, how much are we downgrading him, if at all? Uh, we're not. If you like this player, the asthma aspect shouldn't affect that. They will learn. They will manage that. Uh, the team wasn't particularly concerned with it by drafting him, so it's it's obvious something they feel that they can can manage um, uh, through the training staff and on the sidelines. It's not going to be that big problems. There's other other players in the league that deal with, uh, with other issues and, and continue to play well, including Mark Andrews. I don't, um, I am in this offense. I'm, I'm not a big wide receiver fan in this offense anyway. And, and so this player is uh, inconsequential in the drafts for me. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm with you. Like, you know, I, I, I'm not really downgrading a guy for, for asthma. Um, I'm sure there's been other players that I've drafted over the yeah. years that have had asthma, and I just didn't even know it, you know, because it was never a big deal for him. So I'm not too concerned about it, uh, nor should you. That said, I may not be drafting Traylon Burks for other mm -hmm. reasons, but mm -hmm. the asthma aspect is not one of them. Uh, muggy, Carol, Gen muggy Nashville, Tennessee is a place, if you're going to be concerned about it, that's a place to be. That, yeah, that's Certainly not a great landing spot climate-wise, maybe, for, uh, for Trey Lambricks. But, uh, but I have my other questions uh, with him as well. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that will complete our show. Farrell, I want to thank you so much for popping aboard and accommodating um, the very demanding bulky to, to do the show on a Thursday this week. I certainly my appreciate pleasure. that. Um, run to daylight, two drafts left, right? Am I right in saying that? Two in the run to daylight. We've also got some draft masters on the schedule. Uh, our run to daylight league is a wonderful league, 96 spots, and you can play for uh, $5,000 with the $200 entry, and 24 of those spots are still to draft. We will be unveiling the checkered flag uh, in July, which is a, uh, a similar or a, a, a true uh, exact format um, with a different group of 96 teams. And, and it's good uh, – 
prep work for everything else we're doing across the fantasy landscape and any of the FFPC players that would like to step up and uh, play in it, we would love to have them here in Kentucky. And by the way, defending checkered flag champion, Kevin Williamson, hanging out in the YouTube chat tonight as well, dropping some science in there. So always good to hear from Kevin. Um, And then, of course, the uh, main event starting, I think, the middle of July in Kentucky with the slow draft. No, that that starts when full. I I would assume they'd they'd all probably start around right around that kickoff division on July 13th, right? Ah, we we hope so. You know, it yeah. uh, we're 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 uh, monitoring demand, so to speak. And uh, the thing is, when the players are ready, we'll be ready. And uh, Farrell is always ready. Follow him on Twitter at jfarrellelliot uh, at kffsc on Twitter, and of course, the place to go kffsc.com. Farrell, enjoy your weekend. Be good. Let's talk again on Friday, dude. See you then, buddy. That was Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. I want to thank him. I want to thank Shane Wingard, the FFPC, Rob. Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for hanging out and uh, watching this show live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter on uh, Thursday night. We will be back next Friday, 10-9 Central, four-time FFPC Dynasty and Redraft Champ, as well as 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joe's Drafter and former college football player Josh Derm will be uh, hanging out with us next week. He will be our guest. We'll pick his brain not only on uh, the drafts he's done already, his dynasty title, um, how he's attacking pros versus Joes. But I'm sure we'll have some college football questions for him as well as he uh, played Division II. We'll get into that next week. Don't forget about the f- Football Guys early bird promo. Draft by the end of the month. Um, dra- or, uh, beg your pardon, register by the end of the month. Draft by July 15th. Free $35 team credit into your account. 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament and the Superflex uh, Best Ball Tournament both going off the best ball. $125 could get you $200,000. Superflex, $35 get you $10,000. Those are both live drafts filling daily. Of course, Dynasty Startups, we're going to be uh, offering those for the next uh, few months, so make sure you're filling those up. Those always seem to be popping off um, much more quickly than I ever, ever think they, they do. Apparently, it still is Dynasty season. I didn't realize that, but everybody loves Dynasty fantasy football. Playing it now at FFP, myffpc.com. And of course, you want to play in those uh, 12-team uh, closed leagues uh, that we were talking about with Shane earlier. Slow, live, sit-and-go options. Plenty of different formats, all at myffpc.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back on Friday. Your weekend officially starts a little early now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. One other thing I forgot to mention, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we did uh, two Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdowns this week. One with Mark Salinas. Uh, one with um, Bob Hoog, which I did earlier this afternoon. I, I mentioned this on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. First time we've ever done the Lowdown and the HSFF Hour both on the same day, which was exciting and fun and informative. If you want to check out either of those uh, shows um, right on our YouTube channel, which you're hopefully watching right now, uh, you can watch them right there. Um, they will also be in the Rotoviz uh, um, podcast role um, probably within the next day or two. So you can check that out, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Don't forget about all the great Rotoviz podcasts there. But Mark Salinas, a guy who not only has won four FFPC leagues, but he was the overall champ in the 2016 Kentucky uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event. And then, of course, Bob Hoog, who has been a very successful football guy and FFPC drafter over the years. Great to pick their brains. We got into a lot of stuff, so make sure you're checking those podcasts out. Uh, on YouTube, anywhere you get podcasts, and of course, rotaviz.com slash podcast. We will be back next Friday at 10, 9 central on our normal schedule with Josh Durham. Enjoy your weekend, everybody.